Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Talking Point after a Spanish Grand Prix that saw Max Verstappen take the lead of this season's World Championship for the first time, taking advantage of Charles Leclerc's retirement halfway through the race. There was a bit of controversy around Verstappen's place at the top of the uh, top of the leaderboard after the team orders came into play at Red Bull for the first time this season. Uh, well, Christian Horner was quick to deny that they were team orders, of course, but Sergio Perez ended up finishing second. It was an impressive run for George Russell to take third place on the podium, while Lewis Hamilton in the other Mercedes went all the way back to second last on the first lap before making his way all the way up to fourth place before uh, the car issue unfortunately put him back to, to fifth behind Carlos Sainz. So here is what's coming up on today's show. We take a look at your reaction to the Spanish Grand Prix and there was plenty to be said afterwards. Oliver Harden joins us to take us through the conclusions that we can take from the Spanish Grand Prix. Unsurprisingly, Lewis Hamilton was right up there for driver ratings, but we will t- take a look at the best of the action. And then our guest will take us through his Formula One firsts. So it was an interesting day in Barcelona on Sunday. Max Verstappen taking victory after controversy surrounding team orders at Red Bull. Uh, Sergio Perez had been leading, but Verstappen on fresher tyres was effectively closing in very, very quickly. And he was told to move aside. Uh, Charles Leclerc had been in a very commanding position for the first half of the race before a power issue managed to force him out of the race and Lewis Hamilton tagged Kevin Magnussen on the first lap ended up in 19th place but managed to work his way all the way back up the field to a P5 finish which is extremely impressive from him but here with me today to discuss all the goings on in Spain is Sasha Martinengo at F1 Sasha on Twitter if you're interested in following him. Sasha welcome to Talking Point. It is so great to be with you and uh, I'm just delighted and Spain did throw us up uh, something a little bit uh, special. Yeah, it did. It's it's not often that you say that about Spain, is it? <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, there were two two major factors. One was the heat, which really um, you know put Pirelli uh, under a tremendous amount of pressure. And, and I think one has to complement a bit of the twenty twenty two rules and regulations updates packages that that were at uh, Barcelona. But yeah, um, surprisingly, one of the better Spanish Grand Prix over the last couple of years. 
Exactly. So let's dive into your reaction from uh, from PlanetF1.com and on our social media channels as well. Uh, John writes, Max is simply the best in the business. Uh, and Nat wrote about the team orders. Uh, if Verstappen has tech failures, or failures all season, then they could have killed Perez's championship when due to it. Uh, likelihood low, but not impossible. Uh, James also weighed in on this, saying they should have let them race. Uh, Checo is now aware that he's 2022's Barrichello, if he doubted that anyway. Ouch. Um, and then uh, Jack wrote, yes, there are plenty of caveats some reasons but the pace from Hamilton during the race was ominous uh, not because the W13 is suddenly the fastest car but simply because it means Mercedes can get on with finding the performances no side pod concept was promising this season just got spicier um, so, so what do you what do you make of all that yeah, you know what, Max is is really a very, very special kid. And, and if you sit there and think about, you know, how he was carrying on uh, about his DRS not working, he manages to compose himself for such a young man. Yes, he's a Formula One champion, but for such a young man, he just managed to, to grab his composure. So, you know, Max is really, really a very, very special Grand, uh, Grand Prix driver. Lewis Hamilton, uh, I mean, if they get their single lap pace right, um, Mercedes... I mean, Lewis was unbelievably quick yesterday, but he's a bit of a paradox. I mean, you know, after one lap, yeah, you got to go in and he says, I think we should just save the engine. And you're going, come on, Lewis, you know, that's a defeatist. And the next minute he's blowing up uh, the, the purple time sectors and has an incredible race. And, and you know, had it not been uh, for, the, for the last uh, couple of laps where, where he seemed to have some kind of overheating issue, you know, he, he passed a Ferrari on roughly the same kind of uh, tyres strategy as well. So, you know, Mercedes, in my opinion, are the second fastest car out there now. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, uh, we had another reader, the, the second John, uh, basically doing our job for us here. So he said it was an interesting race. Uh, unfortunate for Charles Leclerc. I mean, let's let's not forget it probably would have been an easy win for him. Uh, then Max was understandably frustrated by his non-working DRS, but still delivered, sort of building on your point there. Uh, Perez, good drive, an excellent team player. Russell, another good drive and great defending. And also complimenting Hamilton too, saying unfortunate with the uh, the Magnussen collision. And then uh, Science is not his year so far. I mean, it's easy to forget Ferrari in this that they still were probably the quickest car alongside Red Bull. Yeah, very much so. I mean, Charles was desperately unlucky having having the issues, and and you know maybe it it's a bit of karma with uh, with Max having some of those issues early on in in the season. But Charles really looked good. You know, in qualifying, he made that mistake. He only had one run, and he and he put in a banker lap and then uh, of course um in, in the race you know max made the mistake and it gave him a, a good cushion but he was extending his lead um so you know what if if what could have happened with charles Leclerc? he's got to look back to monaco which hasn't been kind to him in any form of racing no. including classic cars um and just going back to to sergio perez you know uh, perez drove a fantastic race um and people will sit there and say oh calling team orders you know, Sergio, I've, I'm sure this morning he's knocked on Christian uh, Horner's door and said, listen, I did you a favor yesterday and uh, where's my contract for next year? So <laughs> just give him another contract and, and he'll be happy. But, you know, yes, sixth six race of the of the year and, you, and you're instilling a form of team orders. It knows that Red Bull know that Ferrari are definitely challenges if they get reliability right. And after yesterday, uh, without a doubt, Mercedes are right back in the mix. And that's going to be exciting for all of us, isn't it? But mm, let's move on to much. our driver ratings. I mean, they're always uh, relatively divisive on, fa- uh, on planetf1.com, but we're going to bring in Planet F1 journalist Sam Cooper. Uh, Sam, how are you today? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? 
Yeah, not bad, thank you. You were on driver ratings duty this weekend, and we are going to start with Lewis Hamilton. Uh, 9.5 out of 10 from you. I mean, is is there any reason why he probably didn't deserve a 10? Um, I think it's hard to give someone a 10 if they don't win or at least get the podium points. I know given it was extraneous circumstances that he started pretty near the bat, but I just feel 9.5 is fair. I think the incident between the two of them, I, th- I would call it a driving incident, but I think Magnussen was more to blame than Hamilton was, so there was not, wasn't a lot he could do. And the fact he went from that to thinking he should retire to suddenly being well up in the points and could have overtaken Sainz had it not been for car issues. And yeah, I think I think 9.5 is about right for him. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, and Sasha, uh, Mickey uh, on our Planet F1 comment said, uh, for once I agree with the 9s and 9.5s in the driver rating. Some outstanding drives by Verstappen, Perez, Russell, Hamilton and Alonso. I mean, uh, Hamilton was voted driver of the day too. Do you think he was worthy of that position at top of the pile? Yeah, I, th- I do think so. Um, you know, I think George Russell really was very, very close to to that as well. Alonso, I think, had a, had a great drive. And, and the two Alpine drivers also, you know, you've got to take those into the mix. But just in terms of his sheer race pace, um, you know, during parts of that, that race, uh, Lewis was incredible. Yeah, Sam, he, uh, Toto Wolf said after the race as well that, that Hamilton uh, was stunning and probably would have had the pace to win the race. I mean, is that something you agree with? It's hard to look past that, to be honest. Yeah, like, I mean, if you give Hamilton some uh, difficult uh, circumstances, he, was, he seems to be able to get that extra 5%. So maybe if he'd, it would have been interesting to see how he would have gone against Russell and Verstappen because that battle, if that was between, if that had either another Red Bull or another Mercedes in it, then it, it could have been very different. But yeah, I think, I mean, Turtle Wolf's had a great weekend. He's seen one of his drivers get a podium and he's seen the other one prove that they are back in it. So yeah, I think, I think it was well. It was it was a case for everyone really. That it was a, a race where there was loads of drivers who had really good races, but sort of under the radar. So if you think like Bottas and people like that. So I think yeah, the fact that Hamilton stood out from all that is is very encouraging signs for Mercedes going forward. And uh, Sasha, we've not highlighted George Russell specifically, but he deserves an honourable mention, doesn't he, for getting on the podium? It would have been interesting to see how it would have played out if uh, if Hamilton hadn't had that incident with Kevin Magnussen on the first lap. Agreed, you know, but I think George George and Max, you know, the battle that they had, and yes, Max may have had a DRS uh, issue. Just fantastic driving between really, really two great, great racing drivers. And, you know, George is, has come in there with a lot of pressure. You know, he's a teammate of a seven-times world champion, uh, and and he's doing he's doing the business, you know, and and good for him. He he does know now that um, Lewis, with a car that's possibly a little bit more suited to him, is going to be chasing his tail. But I think George has done an outstanding job and, and drove brilliantly yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. But let's focus on the race winner next. Max Verstappen getting a nine out of ten. Uh, Carl on Planet F1 wrote uh, Verstappen a generous nine when he chucks it off track on his own and then needed team orders to get the lead back. Uh, even the DRS issue seems to be exaggerated by his behaviour in the car and inability to follow simple directions from his engineers. I mean, that's that's quite a scathing comment from uh, from Carl there, considering how he won the race, <laughs> Sam. <laughs> yeah, that is that is very harsh. Like, um, yeah, even even his car was against him on that day. I think I think yeah. It's hard to give someone higher if they do end up off the track, but I think his engineers just said it was a big gust of wind that threw him off, and we saw the same side. So, yeah, the fact he recovered from that, and yes, there's always going to be that debate about team orders, but I think anyone looking at it could have seen that Verstappen was the quicker of the two, and his, his strategy was just more set up for a win. So I think even they, even if they told Paris to step aside, it was the case that Max was the quicker, get him out there kind of thing. So I think I think Nye's fair. He, like you said, he was 
he was battling his own car just to try and win the race. So like the fact that you um overcame all those DRS issues, DRS issues, then yeah, I think that's that's testament to his ability. But also, he's been getting a lot of stick for his overreact. Well, not overreacting, but his reaction to his DRS not working. But we do forget these drivers are driving over two hundred miles an hour trying to get that little edge. And like, if a button's not working that you think should be working, it's like if your TV remote doesn't work, you get frustrated with it. But the fact he's doing it at 200 odd miles an hour, yeah, I can see why. It's a fair enough reaction if you push the button 50 times and you get no joy from it. So yeah, yeah. I think a great race overall. Yeah, that's something that could be overlooked, isn't it, Sasha? The fact that, you know, he is on the edge. And, like, would you argue to a degree that that's kind of, like, not just a Formula 1 drive mentality, but a champion's mentality, really, just to try and get that extra half a percent out of the car? You know, these drivers are under so much, much pressure. We all just sit there and think they're a bunch of gimmicks and, you know, strat five, strat three, whatever it is, you know, some engineer tells them they still have to go out there and drive the car. And when a critical element is not working, of course, you're going to be frustrated. You know, from there, he made that mistake. He needed to get past George. He wanted to get back onto, you know, sort of pace uh, with uh, with Leclerc. Um, and, and he had these kind of issues. So, you know, you, one can really understand his, his frustration. But as I said earlier, it was amazing how he composed himself and realized, you know what, just go down and, and race. It may have helped him that Leclerc was out of the race, um, that he knew that he was going to gain whatever points um, way ahead of, of Charles. But, um, yeah, I know a fantastic driver, and I would totally agree with at least, uh, you know, 9 out of 10. Let's move on to another driver who got 9 out of 10 in your estimation, San Fernando Alonso, uh, at his home race, starting plumb last, working his way up to P9 in the end. It, it looked like a bit of a vintage drive from him, didn't it? Yeah, and there were some good quotes after saying it reminded him of the magic of motorsport, and it, he, he described it as a mega race. I think... Before the race, well, before the race started, he sort of admitted that they had written this weekend off a little bit following his performance in qualifying and then that new engine. So the fact he took that from into the points, yeah, it's another one that I think if Hamilton hadn't done the same, then we would have been talking about Alonso a lot more. The fact that he took it from actually the, uh, exactly the back of the grid to within the points. And he made the good joke that he's qualified p4 and p6 and he's not got the points but the one time he qualifies p20 he finally gets back <laughs> into the points for the first time since Bahrain so yeah it's it was a lot of reminiscent of the old Alonso and showing that there's still life in the 40 year old yet yeah exactly Sasha there's um there's arguments to be made for for how well Alonso's done in, in particular given the circumstances that you know he's he's really not had any luck this season has he but he's still he's still got the mindset to go for it yeah, he's a feisty guy, you know, and people have loved him over the years and they've hated him over the years. Um, but he's matured. He's matured like a, a fine wine, but he's still got the racing acumen. And that's wonderful to see, you know, and he's he's just he's a fighter. And it, it was great to see. And and we just hope that that Alpine can do something because both those drivers are doing, are, are, I think, driving way above the limits of, of that car. And, you know, they just need something a little bit more helpful. And uh, I think they could be regular contenders in the point. You know, yeah, despite their qualifying. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's actually sticking with you for a second as well. I mean, Alonso did say uh, in something released by Sky Sports over the weekend that he would consider um, a drive in a top car, even if that meant going up uh, a teammate like a Verstappen, maybe, well, not necessarily Hamilton again, because because uh, George Russell's con- contracted for, for multiple years. I mean, is that something that, I mean, it would be fantastic for us, I mean, just watching on as fans, yeah. but like, realistically, uh, do you think that would happen? I, I think he's clutching at straws and, and, you know, trying to just 
throw out a little bit of bait, but I, I, unfortunately, I don't see it happening for for Fernando. He's got to he's got to make with what he's got with Alpine, and, and Alpine actually have to up their game. You know, if they want to compete with Red Bull, with Ferrari, and with Mercedes, you know, Alpine is the fourth manufacturer, so we, we need something special from them. Yeah, and Sam, just uh, just rounding off on Alpine as well. I spent on drove a good race. It started twelfth, ended up in seventh. I think he, uh, you know, it. it there, it goes to show that there is some kind of pace in that Alpine, as Sasha said, you know, that they probably just need to just make that step themselves, don't they? Yeah, he did. I, I think, as I mentioned earlier, there was a lot of drivers who went under the radar for having a very good race, and Ocon was definitely one of them. I think mm. I think if Alonso is showing how the how much pace there is in that car, then Ocon's showing the, reli- the reliability of it, and he's, he's consistently finishing within the points, which at, at the end of the season will all add up. And, yeah, if he can maybe get a couple of tenths quicker then yeah he's he's going to be right up there so yeah another good performance from him that's gone under the under the radar for everyone and i know you mentioned a lot of drivers did have a good weekend but unfortunately uh, for someone who had a bad sunday was daniel ricardo a 5.5 out of 10 in your rating sam i mean he got through to q3 but i mean the only direction he was going in the race was backwards really yeah that was the same really you thought after the q3 that maybe we're finally going to start to see that ricardo back the one that can get his shoulders out and the one that's late breaking that'll get back up the up the grid but instead he was going the exact opposite way i think it's just another sign of the disappointing McLaren career he's had so far. And the fact he was being not only by his teammate, but his teammate who was pretty unwell for the whole weekend. It's just another, it's another race where he'll be thinking, how has that happened? And how have I ended up out of the points? I think his comments after showed that he was frustrated, but it's been, well, we were six races into his second year of the team now. And the, I appreciate the car might not be perfect for him, but he's had time to try and, work out what he can do from it so the fact that the car does have pace but he's just not getting to it is is a worrying sign for him and his f1 career to be honest that's it sasha i mean we should give lando norris a very honorable mention here for uh, for fighting tonsillitis and just general illness over the course of the weekend to to get up to p8 but does that show a sign of kind of a, a wider malaise with ricardo because he said afterwards you know the comments sam refers to is him saying that he was very very slow on every tire and it was just a sad weekend i mean he, he just smiled through it but it, that sounds like a man almost admitting defeat really uh, yeah, I think Sam's being very diplomatic. Um, number one, first of all, Lando is just such a wonderful kid and just a super, super driver as well. And considering the illness that he's got, and I believe it's tonsillitis, so I mean, gee, was you know, well done. But you know, if you look at Danny Ricciardo. Uh, Nicholas Latifi, Mick Schumacher, these guys are under huge pressure at the moment. You know, we're six races down, some, and they haven't performed. You know, these guys haven't performed. And Danny Ricciardo, you got a McLaren seat. There are plenty of people knocking on that door. And, uh, you know, Daniel can sit and say, well, you know, the tire, this, whatever. And, and he's not an excuse kind of a, a race driver. But I think he's under a tremendous amount of pressure. And, and I think Zach Brown is, is probably sitting and saying, you know, if there's another Lando out there, I want him in that seat. Absolutely. But uh, Sam, thank you very much for joining us for your drive racings today. You're welcome. Yeah, pleasure to. And Sasha, we are now going to move on to conclusions that we could take from the weekend. And, uh, and joining us is Planet F1's Oliver Harden. Oliver, how are you? 
Yeah, very well. Thank you. Good. Um, you've written about plenty on planetf1.com this weekend. You can read uh, Sam and Oliver's full features on planetf1.com after after you watch this, of course. But uh, the first person you wanted to, to bring up was Max Verstappen in your conclusions, it's saying effectively we saw both sides of him this weekend. Yeah, it was the kind of best and worst. And Max Verstappen obviously had the, the first half of the race with uh, stuck behind Russell after the mistake at turn four, off the gust of wind at turn four. Um, and, you know, was struggling to get past. There was a real rage um, coming out at that point. Obviously, he's been frustrated with the reliability problems Red Bull have had so far this season. And another one, something as simple as the TRS, he was very close to boiling over. And I'm sure I wasn't alone in thinking any minute now we're going to see some yellow flags and we're going to see, you know, the Red Bull maybe spinning or making a mistake. Such was the such was the uh, stress he was under at that point. But then, you know, Leclerc retired. Uh, I think it was around lap 27. And from that moment... Um, Max was kind of restored to the driver we've come to expect over the last few years. It was it was a really a short win in the end. Yeah, and uh, Sasha you know, on uh, on Planet F One, Henry, not me, uh, wrote that uh, every time Verstappen's in the uh, the fray, he's sort of all over the place, crying over the radio, needing a massive amount of support by his team, even his teammate. Uh, now Verstappen's still a bit <laughs> of a flake. I mean, we touched on the champions mentality earlier. I mean that that seems a little bit harsh from not me, Henry, doesn't it? He, uh, he, he <laughs> we we did see the sort of I I could sort of agree with Oliver in saying that we did see those two sides of him, but he he still fought through. Yeah, listen, everyone's entitled to opinions and we get wonderful keyboard warriors, I like to call them, on, on all forms of social media. And, and, and you know, you guys are, are putting yourselves out on the front, you know, just as I am. And you've got to expect some of the criticism that comes to us or otherwise to, towards drivers as well. As a complete package, Max Verstappen is, you know, one of the greatest I've ever seen. And I've been watching this for a long, long time. So, uh, you know... <laughs> He's allowed to get uh, upset, and and that is that is that winning mentality. You know, Lewis Hamilton over his career also got upset. So did Schumacher. So did uh, Senna. You know, so did Prost. They all get upset. Even guys who aren't winning races get upset because they know what it takes to get out there. So I think Oliver's you know spot on with uh, with with what he said. Yeah, and what Verstappen did do was uh, was capitalise on the weakness that Ferrari showed. I mean, um, you yes, you touched on Oliver and um, Charles Leclerc having a forty six point lead after three races, and it's now completely evaporated. And uh, I mean, <laughs> we uh, we had another comment actually from uh, from Nick on Twitter saying uh, it's less common for Ferrari not to show weakness. Uh, it's like watching late period Arsenal under Arsene Wenger. You're just wondering how and to what degree they will mess up. I mean, it's these are these are strong <laughs> these, these are strong strong words but in in the past few seasons you know they've they've kind of largely rung true haven't they yeah Leclerc's gone from being 46 points ahead of Verstappen after three races to being six behind even by Ferrari standards that's you know some achievement throwing away that kind of advantage um it looks so promising for them after those first, first three races obviously helped by Verstappen's retirements in in Bahrain and uh Australia but uh, you know, all it takes is one retirement and you know a lack of composure from from Leclerc in in Imola towards the end with that spin, and it's it's this was their best chance of of, of winning a, a drivers' championship since two thousand and seven. It seems after three races, but now you know three races later, it, it does look like a very uphill task for them. Yeah, Sasha, do you think that's a that's a good point to be made as well? Like no driver's title in 15 years. I mean, is there is there a kind of lack of um, not just championship winning experience in the team, but is it a case of, you know, almost coming like from behind like they like any other midfield team making that step up a la probably Red Bull around 2009-10? 
I think it's such a valid point. You know, they haven't had that winning mentality for a long time, even during the Alonso and and Vettel eras, which, okay, they were up against the Mercedes, which was going to be very, very difficult. Um, But, you know, I I think after the first three races, they did have some kind of confidence. Barcelona, this was meant to be a good one for them. Yes, they had had the issue with, with Leclerc, but... On the positive side, if one can find a positive side, I'd rather see Ferrari with a really fast car and then having reliabilities uh, issues than having an average car and just completing races. That, that, I think, is the change in the mentality with Ferrari is now going, we've got to go out there and try and win. And yes, if we're going to have breakdowns, well, let's learn, learn from that. So as difficult as it is for them, um, and they'll figure out what, what the issue was with, with Charles Leclerc's uh, engine or, or, or electronics, um, I would rather see that with a very competitive car than having an average car. Yeah, that's it, Oliver, isn't it? Because Leclerc, you know, he did say afterwards that he was still sort of not necessarily seeing seeing the bright side of things, but he was trying to stay positive. And in previous seasons, we might not have had that from Ferrari, because as Sasha says, that sort of baseline speed is there for them still, isn't it? Yeah, it goes back to the old adage where it's easier to make a, a fast car reliable than a reliable and slow and fast. Um, I would agree with what Sasha says. Um, I, I I, uh, you can't underestimate how much pressure is under Ferrari, you know, to mm. after going so long without a world championship. You know, it's not going to take much for them to crack un, under under the pressure. It's it's really unique. Um, but you know, th- there were there were promising signs there. I think they did a lot of good work on 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 the soft tire on Saturday morning. Um, mm. They didn't have a great Friday, and that kind of put Leclerc in, in a position, even with um, Verstappen Verstappen going off quite early in the race, where he was he was quite at ease at the front. Yeah, exactly. But let's move back to uh, to the title challenge because uh, you know the, the probably the the main talking points come out of the race was Red Bull's sort of apparent use of team orders. Uh, Christian Horner was sort of quick to deny that that was the case, and it was the sort of right thing to do in the context of the race, Oliver. But like a few other people have been making this point that, that Perez is arguably being sort of the, the clear number two from the start. And despite his sort of protests over radio, I mean, sort of like muted protests, it has to be said, um, it, he, he kind of knows where he is in the team, right? Yeah, I get his comments in the heat of the moment, but I, I do find it was a little bit um, disingenuous of him to, you know, complain about team orders. I think, you know, he should never lose sight of how fortunate he is to be in that car. Um, you know, Red Bull effectively saved his career. Uh, at the end of 2020 when they offered him a lifeline. You know, we all know his remit is very clear from the beginning. That every time, you know, Perez and, and Verstappen have been have been close to each other, say, at the start of races, it's always been Perez the one to back out and let it go. I remember a very clear example um, in Austin last season. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it basically is the lay of the land at Red Bull that, you know, Verstappen always has the advantage. It, he, he is the point around around which their, their world revolves in so many ways. That's it, Sasha. He, Perez didn't exactly get given the uh, the same treatment as Max when he was uh, when he was behind, and he was asking the team to to move Max out of the way when he was trying to to pass George Russell. I mean, he he didn't really get what he wanted there, and that's kind of uh, his position in the team in a nutshell, really, isn't it? I think that that's the argument a lot of people are going to say. You know, all of a sudden Perez was ahead. If if Max hadn't had the wind gust and 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 gone off the track, we would never have had that scenario. Um, and they changed. You know, Christian Horner came out and said oh, there was floor damage and diffuser damage and da da da. They changed the strategies, but Max was the faster driver and. Any team, no matter how early on in the season, even though you know a lot of people will be upset that it's this early that we're seeing some kind of team orders, Max is their golden boy. He's won their championship. 
they want him to win a, another one. And, you know, Sergio, if he has opportunities to win where Max is out of the equation, of course he, he'll have the chance to go and win. But um, yesterday was a solid nail um, for Perez saying, you know, your best this year if if, if Max is in front is going to be a second. So, and, and I agree with Oliver says, he's very privileged and very lucky to be in an incredibly fast car and, and having a great time. So enjoy it. Absolutely. But one team looking to muscle in on that fight as well as Mercedes. Uh, that was the, the sort of one of the other points you made in your piece, Oliver, that Mercedes, you know, they're, they're looking much closer to the, uh, to the front of the field now. And uh, you pointed Miami as being a bit of a turning point for them. Yeah, I think in hindsight, two weeks later, I think we can see that that um, Friday, Friday practice in, in Miami was was a kind of turning point for them. At the beginning of the season, they kind they were almost kind of stumbling in the dark. They they didn't really understand why the the, the car concept wasn't performing as it did in simulation, and they were even more confused in Miami when even though the popsing you know was still kind of there, they were really quick um in the times in Miami and then it all fell apart going into the weekend but I think that did give them a glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel and they, there was obviously a lot of talk about um a filming day at Paul Ricard before the race weekend and I think you know they're just starting to find answers and getting on top of all the problems now they looked really good uh, in Barcelona yeah, they did, didn't they, Sasha? I mean, the, those massive upgrades that they brought, I mean, it seemed to eliminate the porpoising in a straight line. George Ross and Lewis Hamilton definitely looked uh, less frazzled uh, getting out of the car this weekend, <laughs> most likely. Um, and, that, I mean, they're still experiencing some of it in the corners, but seeing both drivers so enthusiastic after the race really was a sign of, you know, how things are going for Mercedes. They are Mercedes. They've won the last eight championships in a row, despite all of these new regu- regulations. They are Mercedes, and they've got a team of very, very clever people working working behind them. I still think they're lacking a little bit when it comes to the single lap pace at the moment. Um, but in terms of race pace um, and, and just the, 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 the dynamic of the car is looking so much better um, around the tracks compared to what we saw earlier in the season. So, yeah, uh, I, I think Red Bull and Ferrari are definitely scratching their heads at the moment going whoopsie here they come (laughs) and as you wrote in your piece Oliver the empire is striking back Uh, thank you very much for joining us (laughs) thank you now, Sasha, we're going to finish the show with your F1 first. Um, I mean, you've been saying oh. you've been watching the sport for uh, for a very long time. So uh, we're going to start by asking you, what is your first memory of Formula One? Um, my first memory was actually my first race, funnily enough. Um, and I was very young, uh, Henry. So, And it, unfortunately, it was a tragic, tragic race as, as well. But my first memory was my first Formula One race. Um, my dad took me. And um, I walked in. And in those days, I mean, we didn't have pits and paddock and all of those things today. You could walk up and down the pits. It was just so lovely. And uh, it was 1977 at Kyle Army, the tragic uh, death of Tom Price and, and uh, Marshall that was killed. And that was my first, can you believe it? But I was fascinated by the red cars. I just sat there and said, why is everyone looking at the red cars? And my dad just said, because it's Ferrari. Exactly. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's... Sort of introduction Tragic. to two halves, really, isn't it? That's that's a, that's a horrible way to to start watching Formula One. I've got to be honest; I wasn't really expecting you to to say that. Um, but you know, but it, it, it's something about the magnetism of Formula One, regardless, though, isn't there? I mean, the 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 danger, especially at that time, was was so prevalent, wasn't it? It was it was crazy, you know. Um, besides just accidents, you know, they didn't have safety fuel cells. I mean, so when, if cars crashed, they just burst into flame. It was a very very uh, yeah, crazy, crazy time of, of Formula One. So, 
yeah, bizarrely, I mean, yes, and I was still very young. So, you know, the the, the actual tragedy on the track um, didn't really affect me as it, as I think it would have had I been a teenager or an adult. Um, but I just knew that, you know, wow, there was a crash. And, and perhaps, you know, as a kid, you're like, oh, there's a crash. You know, as a kid, you get excited. As you get older, you realize how dangerous it is. And thankfully, the sport is much safer now. And uh, I yeah, mean, goodness. you've already mentioned the red cars in terms of the first driver and team he supported. Like, was was that Ferrari? Yeah, I mean, listen, I am Italian, so um, you know. But I was just fascinated by by the red cars, and um, yeah, I mean, once we got Jody Schechter into uh, the red car Ferrari, um, he was funnily enough, even though he's a South African as I am, uh, he was my second favorite driver. My favorite driver was uh, Gilles Villeneuve. Funnily mm. enough. <laughs> yeah another driver to meet an unfortunate well tragic yes. end really a terrible but, end well yeah that was that was 40 years ago what last week as well I mean that mm. everyone is still feeling his impact in the sport I mean like, at the time like how much does that affect you yeah um I as I say I mean I was sort of getting into my teenage years and and that that had a massive effect 8th of May 1982 um and they, they were testing cameras I mean, bizarrely, they actually caught that accident on film. And unfortunately, I've watched it too many times to, to remember. But Villeneuve left a massive imprint of me to, to my real passion and desire to learn more and more about, about Formula One came from Gilles Villeneuve. Great. Well, Sash, thank you very much for, for joining us on Talking Point today. Where, whereabouts would we be able to find your work? Listen, thank you very much for the invitation. I'm on uh, at F1 Sasha on all social media platforms. Uh, please, yeah, come and come and follow and let's let's engage. I'd, I'd love to have uh, more chats with uh, more like-minded people. And it's been great chatting with you today, Sasha. Thank you very much for coming on. It's my pleasure. Thanks for the invitation, Henry. I look forward to it again. And thank you to you for watching as well. Make sure you head to planetf1.com for all of your news and views around Formula One. And we'll be looking forward to the Monaco Grand Prix next weekend. And we'll be there with you to review it as it happens. So thank you very much for watching or listening. And we'll speak to you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.